Boss Uncaged is a weekly podcast that releases the origin stories of business owners and entrepreneurs as they become uncaged trailblazers. In each episode, our hosts, S.A. Grant and guests construct narrative accounts of their collective business journeys and growth strategies. Learn key success habits and how to stay motivated through failure, all while developing a boss uncaged mindset. Break out of your cage and welcome our host, S.A. Grant. Welcome, welcome back to Boss Uncaged Podcast. Today's show is going to be a very interesting show. So, you know, I like to nickname whoever I'm interviewing. And today I was kind of like, do, do I give him like a tech name? What kind of name should I give him? And then I kind of looked at his podcast and looked at his history. And I think ideally the best name for our current guest would be The Seller's Boss. So the floor is yours, Joseph. Why don't you tell the audience a little bit more about who you are and what you do? Oh, I say thank you so much for having me on. I'm so looking to chatting. Uh, can I about me who I am? I'm a six times entrepreneur. It's almost all been in tech, B2B. So yeah, the tech angle, you know, totally makes sense. Uh, but we've taken all that experience, my founding team and I, and we now run a career accelerator. So we help people learn how to sell tech, how to get matched with tech companies. And then we introduce them to technology companies to lead really successful sales careers. So yeah, we get a chance to learn how tech companies sell and grow all the time and help people thrive in those roles. So really, really fun. We get to help people accomplish their dreams every day. Nice, nice, nice. So I mean, with that, right, I mean, obviously tech is a huge space and, you know, there's like old school tech, there's new school tech, and there's like NFTs, there's all these different variables of techs in, in today's world. So what flavor of tech are you really honing in on? Great question. Um, the reality is our members end up landing everywhere. Some of them are selling AI solutions. Some of them are selling hardware, solar panels. Some of them are selling software. The really big thing, I think the thread that links a lot of them is not just technology, but a lot of tech-enabled companies now are moving to subscriptions. And it it sounds like a really simple thing. Like we've all got like Hulu, Disney Plus, whatever. But when businesses are selling on a subscription, the selling motion is totally different. And that new form of selling is very liberating for people because they're not pushing something that people don't need. They're actually solving problems. And so, yeah, we do a lot of software, a lot of subscription sales, and you know, people end up in different industries, but that tends to be the most common factor. Nice, nice. So you're talking about like your clients and you're referencing them like, okay, they could be startup entrepreneurs, they could be tech founding corporation executives. Like what are you actually doing to help these people in that tech space? Yeah, so we have the two sides to our business. You know, the one is we work with a lot of businesses. It might be an entrepreneur who's trying to grow their team. It might be a business that's trying to hire more salespeople. And we introduce them to great, well-trained talent. Um, but our North Star customer, the people that we help day to day, are people who have been left behind by the tech industry and we help teach them you know, what it is to work in a tech space, what it means to sell technology, and then we introduce them to those tech companies. Uh, I'll give you one example, just kind of make that real. Um, one of our members, I love this guy's story, out of college, he was a bartender, a restaurant manager, eight years in hospitality and a few roles. COVID hits, loses his job. He's like, great, I like people, I'm good at speaking to people, Let's learn how to sell tech. And so he comes to our program, lands a role at a software company that sells scheduling software to bar and restaurant managers. And so, of course, he knows the customer. So he's crushing quota, gets promoted in six months. He's earning more. He's buying a house. That kind of success. Um, that's what we live and die by. And so we get to do that every day. 
Very nice. Very nice. So, I mean, let's just dive into you. I mean, obviously, like you, you have the, this corporation and you're helping other people on their journeys. You're, you're helping them find their way through tech spaces. Like if you could define yourself in three to five words, what would those words be? It's so cliched. Like repeat entrepreneur. You know, there's two. Uh, and I'll go with uh, empathetic on the last one. That's a big priority for us. And we spend a lot of time with our people. So those are the three I'd pick. Hmm. So, I mean, like, were you always like this as a kid? I mean, were you like the kid that was taking apart computers, taking apart toys and trying to Frankenstein them together? What kind of kid were you? Great, great question. Like, I think like a lot of entrepreneurs definitely influenced by my parents. They were very entrepreneurial um, and they were big enablers uh, in a good way. <laughs> like, they were very much encouraging me to you know, spread my wings. So I was that kid who was saying, hey, you know, yeah, I built my new computer and I could flip burgers at Wendy's and that builds character and that's great, but that's minimum wage. Or I could do desktop publishing and graphic design and you know, charge a much better fee. And my parents definitely pushed me in that direction. So yeah, like during, during high school, I ran a small desktop publishing gig and designed business cards, brochures, things like that. And that's, I think, what really got me excited about this journey. So, I mean, obviously, you know, I have a graphic design background as well, too. So, I mean, yeah. like for me, I, I still people always like, do you still use it? I'm like, yeah, I mean, everything I do is branding. So I'm branding the living hell out of my life. Right. So what are you using from what you took as a kid growing up in that publishing age? What are you using that for now? Yeah, I mean, it's funny, like cutting your teeth on Corel Draw 3. There's only so much stuff that <laughs> applies. Still. The, uh, I think the big things that I took away from it were the fact that I'm always selling. And you got to, especially if you're a solopreneur, you're always selling because if you don't bring in the business, you're not picking up anything. Uh, and then being really comfortable having the uncomfortable conversations. Like when you're 15 years old and you're 16 years old, people don't take it seriously. So you got to have a tough conversation. <laughs> like, hey, are you going to pay your bill? Like, hey, is this project going to succeed? And getting really comfortable getting outside my comfort zone, I think it's opened up a lot of opportunity for me. Wow. So, I mean, uh, we're talking about your childhood. We're talking about now. So in, in reality, right? I mean, we always hear about this overnight success story that, you know, in perception, it may seem like you just popped on the internet last week. But in reality, how long have you been on your journey to get to where you are? Oh, my goodness. I mean, everything's been on top of each other. So, I mean, like first person is at 15. and Man, crap, it's been way too long. <laughs> like, Tiffany in my 40s now. So it's been a journey. It's definitely been a journey. Wow, wow. So, I mean, do, do you think it was, was particularly beneficial that you started off, you said at age 15 to say 45, so let's say like, you know, 28, 30 years in between, like what benefits would you say to someone that can start off as early as you did? Is it beneficial for you today being that you started off that early? Huge. I mean, investing in yourself, it, it's like, you know, investing in anything, compound interest is a thing. Uh, yeah. Like I got two kids now, cost of failure is much bigger. Uh, you know, when I was, you know, staying at home, in high school or college, you know, the risk, you know, the safety net was a lot more obvious. Um, you know, I, my first real business with employees and team members, I was still in college and yeah, like it sucked balancing studies and work. That was miserable. Uh, but the reality is like, Hey, worst case scenario, if it doesn't work out, I can fall back on the degree, get a job. So okay. the earlier you start, the more lessons you learn and the costs of failure are a lot lower. So you can take bigger risks and, and learn more. Uh, so totally, people have a chance to start early. I'd highly recommend that. I mean, being that, that you started as early as you did, right? And I want you to kind of think of this as like a time traveling experiment, right? If you can go back in time, like from age 15 until now, anywhere on this time frame and speak to yourself 
and you could change one thing, what would you say to yourself to help change that one thing in that moment? Mm, picking one time. Oh man, that's a tough one. Um, you know, time traveling, you're you're traveling in time. I see you. It is, it is. And it's hard because I can think about a ton of different failures, a ton of different stumbles. And um, I think what I do is I go back to to my early self. So during college, uh, and I think about my relationships with my co-founders at the time. Uh, And what I'd say, and I, I challenge myself to be more honest with how I perceive myself and my co-founders. What I mean is it's really easy to get in that trap of you give your co-founders the benefit of the doubt. Like, hey, are you going to put in the same work? Are you going to put in the same work? Do you have the same goals? And everyone's like, yeah, this is great. We're aligned. But you don't always see yourself honestly, and you don't always see your co-founders honestly. And so challenging my younger self to just really, really try and get away all the veneer, all the hopes and make really candid evaluations. I think we would have learned and seen success faster and probably avoided some heartache and some stumbles too. Very cool. Very cool. So, I mean, just picking back on that, right? I mean, I would think probably your first investors in you as far as a partnership, going back to what you said earlier, was probably your parents, right? You Mm -hmm. were saying that they were enablers. So, are any of your parents per se entrepreneurs? Where are you getting the entrepreneurial insight and ingenuity from? Yeah, very much. So um, growing up, uh, my father ran a mechanical contracting business. So like commercial, ducts, like, you know, the stuff Bruce Willis crawls around in, 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 in Die Hard. Like he was putting that stuff in. Uh, and yeah, I mean, that was fun. Like getting a chance to, to be an apprentice doing that stuff during high school was always a blast. Um, and uh, my mother was a financial planner. Like, so she built out her own financial planning practice, built out a massive regional office. So they definitely had the appetite themselves. And I think they're the ones who, uh, a lot of entrepreneurs kind of have that, that chip on their shoulder. Like, hey, I'm going to prove the world that I can do this. And, uh, you know, they definitely had it and, and definitely helped me develop a healthy one too. Very interesting. I mean, I've interviewed hundreds of people at this point in time, and it was just kind of like, usually there's always one person. But for you, you're sitting with both parents being full-blooded entrepreneurs. Mm-hmm. I mean, that had to be like a hell of an influence to be able to, have you had an opportunity? This, this is the off-bar question, but have you had opportunity in your journey when you're building all these different businesses? Did you ever use your parents to bounce ideas off of? Oh, even further. I mean, we work together. Like even, uh, my mother was one of my co-founders with one of the businesses. My, my sister now is actually, she was one of our first employees with my last company and she was co-founder in this company. Um, so we've been really fortunate where we've been able to make it a family affair uh, and really constructively. Like my, my mother's been one of my most productive mentors over my entire career. So totally, uh, really fortunate for that. That's a hell of a benefit to have, to have that in, in your back pocket for life, right? I mean, that, that's that's great. So, I mean, talking about family, right? So, with that, I mean, obviously, you had two entrepreneurs in the household 24-7, so you understand, like, the sacrifices that they, they've made for you and made for themselves mm-hmm. over the years. So, c- considering that you have kids now, like, how do you currently juggle your work life with your family life? It's tough. I mean, I think about a couple of things. It, that you, you made that kind of like providing and supporting. Um, a large part of of what I think about now when, when I think about my companies is how do I make sure my kids are safe? Like, how do I make sure that I'm not just risking everything into the business that, you know, push comes to shove, they're going to be okay. Um, my son has some developmental delays. And so that's really top of mind for us. Like what's, you know, his long-term kind of life and situation going to be like, 
so I think to that comment about the cost of failure, like the the systems we put in place to stay safe, we spend a lot of time thinking about that, my wife and I. Um, but the second thing is that we think a lot about what does work-life balance mean? And for some people, that means, hey, I split my time evenly. And, and I think about it a little differently. I try to think about when I'm there, be really present. But I also want my kids to see the fact that I'm very fulfilled in the work that I'm doing. And that, yeah, it's stressful. And yeah, there's a lot of weight on my shoulders. And I value that because I want them to find a career, whether it's founding their own company or working a job or doing anything. I want them to feel just as fulfilled in their work. Uh, and so for me, when I think about work-life balance, it's not about kind of hiding one from the other. It's not about splitting them 50-50. It's about bringing my whole self to both situations and letting them see how fulfilled I am. Um, and that's really good because it means if I'm not fulfilled doing my work, something's got to change there. Uh, and so it keeps me really honest in my own work too. So let's dive down that hole a little bit deeper. I mean, obviously being like that's your focus and you're running a co corporation and you're coming from the entrepreneurial insight from a family that's been doing it their entire lives. Like, you know, what are your morning habits, morning routines look like to be able to maintain all these different things? Oh man, it's, it's tough. I really, so I wish my morning routine was one of those like brisk early, have a workout, go and seize the world. And I'm, I'm a terrible morning person. Like, mm -hmm. like drag myself out of bed and hopefully the kids have had their breakfast and got themselves ready. Um, uh, I'm an introvert. I'm a big introvert. It's so like even my family and kids can be a little overwhelming. So honestly, my first 15 minutes while I'm like doing stretches, getting ready, doing all the morning stuff is like I put on my headphones and I listen to some podcasts, you know, mm -hmm. news, business material, 1.5x. So I try and rip through them. Um, that's my own personal development. Like while we're doing all the morning routine, they give me the space. Uh, but that's like getting the kids ready. And what's been really interesting was our big shift and our big focus is how do we teach them to be independent in that work? Uh, it's funny. It feels a lot like the work stuff we do. Like, how do we support a team in doing their work? So every day, every week, it's trying to challenge the kids to do something even harder. Um, and then we get them off to school and then we're right into the fray. That's the benefit, I guess, of working from home is that it's really easy to jump from one into the other because it's a curse too, but that's what it looks like. Nice. So you brought up about listening to podcasts at 1.5 speed. And, and it's funny that you brought that up because, you know, part of like the Boston Cage ecosystem, we have a book club and I always like promote like listening to audiobooks at 2.0, sometimes even 2.5 if the reader is particularly slow. So this leads me into like my next question. I mean, since you brought that up, I would think that you're pretty much an avid reader or an avid audiobook listener, right? So mm. my question is a three-part question. What books do you remember reading that helped you to get to where you are? Part two to this question is what books are you actively reading right now? And part three to this question is like, have you had an opportunity yet to author any books for yourself? Whoa. I'll start with that last one because that's the easiest. No, I haven't. But yes, it's on my bucket list. So I'll get there one day. Um, the first one, the books that got me uh, here, it's always tough to pick because like you said, like, I read a lot. Uh, two that I think really, really stuck with me. Uh, it's an oldie but a goldie, The Effective Executive. Uh, and just that idea of you know, the art of being an executive and what does it actually mean? You know, a lot of people think about it as the boss, uh, but in like that not modern knowledge working economy, like the idea that we're all acting like an executive. Um, I always read that every few years because it always brings me back to basics. So I love that. It really is a good framing exercise. Um, I think the second one that helped me really grow and really reframe some work was uh, what got you here won't get you there. 
uh, and that idea of constantly growing and developing as a person, the tools you'll need will change as your company and your circumstances change. Again, a very helpful framing exercise for myself, but more importantly, it helped me become better at coaching my people, you know, is what gets them to their next milestone might need different habits, different skills. And I think it's made me a more empathetic leader. Um, there was a third part to your question there that I might have missed. Books yeah. that got me there. Books yeah, written. The second one was, uh, what books are you reading currently? Oh, right now. Yeah. Um, thinking fast and thinking slow, Daniel Cannon, you know, trying to improve the quality of my own strategic thinking. Um, that's a really big one. Uh, and the second one is, uh, uh, what is it? The power of stay interviews. And I'm rereading that one. Because uh, we always think about how do we interview people, and then when they leave, we think about exit interviews. But having a structured process to keep your people engaged and successful, super powerful, and and trying to you know brush those skills back up again. So I'm reading that one again. So I mean, finishing off on that leg, I mean, you talk about a structure, structured processing, right? So, and I'm just thinking about like with your business, like what processes and processes do you currently have to kind of keep your system up and running? And also you're looking at a team of people, right? And you're talking about influencing those people and giving them motivation to get through their day. So what systems do you have to kind of help with that? Yeah. Um, when, when I think about that question, there's kind of two sides that come to mind. Like the first one that I think is something we've, we, I'd, I'd say we overinvest in, but I don't think that's the right word. Um, we invest a lot more than other companies, other founders I speak to, uh, but it's never enough. That's the right way to phrase it. Uh, is around our people. You know, how do we deliberately attract and hire the right people? So we invest a lot of energy into defining the way we interview, the way we attract, the way we evaluate, the way we select people. Um, I see this all the time. Founders who say, you know, I interviewed every person until we got to a hundred people, and. Like what that tells me is that you didn't have the system to be able to let go earlier. And if you can deputize everybody in your organization to hire the same way you would, like, wow, that's powerful. So we, we invest a lot in that. Um, the second thing is we have a lot of processes in place to review our processes. I'm like, wow, that sounds terrible. Like our process on process, but we figure we really want to get good at having the right amount of process for our stage. So every couple of months, every quarter, we review our core systems. Like, what is our payments process? What is our, our customer support process? What is our security process? Is it the right size? Should we pair it back? Should we make it more involved? Should we automate it so that the system itself is getting better all the time? And building that muscle becomes a superpower because then you never obsess about having a perfect process. You can get V1 out and you know you're going to come back and improve it. Uh, and so it just it's very liberating if you can think about uh, iterating on your processes. Very, very interesting. Very, very, very interesting. So, I mean, obviously, you've been in the game for a period of time, right? And and I think you're a do-or-die entrepreneur to where we never really think about exit strategies, even though we're thinking about exit yeah. strategies. So where do you see yourself 20 years from now? 20 years. Oh, I love that one. Um, all my past companies were like four-year journeys. You know, so like, it was like learn, exit, learn, exit. Uh, we started this company with something. We wanted to get something that would hold our interest and have a big enough problem to keep us busy for a couple of decades. Mm-hmm. Uh, so pragmatically, you know, 20 years out, I'm probably still going to be running Uvaro. You know, maybe we're looking at you know, broader opportunities, but we have some big goals, really big goals. And on my bucket list uh, are things like taking a company public and running a billion-dollar company, and I'd love it if Uvaro is that company. Um, so scale is a big one for us. That's a big push for us. Uh, but in 20 years, uh, I'll be... Hopefully, if everything goes well, kicking the kids out of the house, uh, you know, rebalancing a little bit of my time and, and having a little bit more fun and 
maybe if I'm lucky, uh, supporting them on their entrepreneurial journey. So knock on wood, that's, that's where I'd be. But uh, yeah, for us, it's all about scale and then helping more people lead successful careers because it's nice that we get to do that every day, but I'd love to do it on an even bigger, bigger stage. Nice, nice. So, I mean, I, I like the, the name of your company, Yuvaro, uh, um, right? Mm-hmm. Like, what, what is that? I want you to kind of just break it down. I mean, you have a design background. So, I mean, I think when we talk to, like, designers and graphic designers, like, we usually have some etymology behind our wording conventions. We usually have, like, a story behind our brand. So, just t- talk about that brand and that naming. Like, how did you come up with that and what does it mean? Yeah, I mean, equally deliberate and scrappy. Uh, so, I mean, the name of the company comes from really two things. We wanted to bring in that idea of um, kind of university growth, individual. So we, we knew we really did want something that kind of started with that you uh, as a, a core flavor and tone to the brand. Um, but we're also about sharing knowledge. And so we picked up the name of Marcus Varro. He's the most prolific ancient Roman scholar. And if you want to talk about sharing knowledge, the most prolific, most cited scholar is a pretty good reference. Um, of course, we ditched the extra R to make it simpler and the domain names were available. So <laughs> that's how it all pulled together. Yeah. Very cool. Very cool. So you guys are really big into tech. So this, my next question is, is about the technology, right? Like, like what, what tech do you currently use? And I'm talking more so about like software that you would not be able to do what you do on a day-to-day if you didn't have access to this platform. It's funny because there's the obvious things. Like, you know, if we're using uh, Zoom, like where you are right now, or Slack, our team does that day-to-day. Um, I think those things are pretty obvious. So I'm going to kind of put them on the side because there's communications. Uh, I think the non-obvious thing that we use every single day is asynchronous video. We happen to use Vidyard. There's other tools. But the ability to record a video to get your message out, like A, it's great for selling. So if there's any entrepreneurs who aren't using video and they're selling, do it. It'll increase your open rates, your conversion rates, all that. Um, But when you're supporting your team, you're supporting customers, getting a message out and getting your your tone and tempo and body language. It's so powerful. And when you get comfortable with it, it's faster than writing that email. And so you can turn it out faster. So video is the one I'd really point to. I definitely commend you for that. I mean, it's a lot of things that I've been working on for the past 20 years. And when it came down to having access to recording quick videos and screen shares, it saves so much time. Like I don't have to write an email. I could just go through the program, show you what's wrong five minutes or less and send the video done versus trying to type the perfectly orchestrated, well-versed writing of a newsletter to send as an email just when you can just totally. send a video. Yeah, definitely. That's absolutely it. And you're absolutely right. It's, it's faster, it's easier, and uh, it's sharing your screen, all of that. Big, big thumbs up to that. Nice, nice. So, I mean, right now you're talking about like you deal with a lot of like tech right? You're dealing with like essentially tech executive, tech employees, but ideally, like let's paint the picture of your ideal avatar. Like who is your ideal customer that you are willing and wanting to work with? It's funny. Like a lot of our members end up at tech companies. They're at Oracle, Shopify, Adobe, startups, like the full run. Um, And yeah, I spend a lot of time hanging out with the the heads of sales and the CEOs and founders of those companies like that. But when I think about our ideal customers, what we're looking for are I mean, everyday people who feel like they can do more than where they are, like that bartender. We have people who are flight attendants, who are nurses, who are selling motorcycles and roofing supplies, and they know they can do more than you know the hand that they were dealt. The tech industry is growing so fast, and the fact that we get to help people on that small step into it, it's, it's very energizing. And then we get to see them do amazing things. And 
So yeah, people who are looking to do more and are driven to make that change, those are the people we usually work with. I think, I mean, you, you kind of nailed down like more so like a personality trait as well, too. I mean, mm -hmm. that's, that's the big thing I think people don't realize is that if you're looking for someone, you want someone that's an action taker, not someone that's going to be sitting back, reading the information, but not taking action and getting the results that you're obviously going to help them do. But they all have it. to apply the action more, more so than sit back and watch. So I definitely I, I love that. I love that. So um, if you're talking to these people, right, you're talking to your avatar right now and they're listening to this podcast, what words of wisdom, words of insight would you like them to hear from you that would help them continue on their journey? The big thing I'd say is whether it's with a group like Uvaro or something else, taking deliberate action to improve yourself, like through training and practice, you will surprise yourself with greatness. Every day we see people who have done really good things, they've had big challenges, and they doubt their ability to succeed because the cards are stacked against them. And then they go and do these amazing things and they never thought was possible. And the reality is you needed grit, determination, and maybe a translator like us to help close that gap. But there's a lot of people out there who can help. So be deliberate, practice, and you'll surprise yourself. Love that. Love that. I mean, I just want to stay on this topic just a little bit longer because I just I just want people to kind of resonate with it, right? So you're talking to individual people, not necessarily in a tech space, but people that are wanting to take action that mm -hmm. know they can be doing more than what they're currently doing, but you're going to show them how to be able to take more action and to do more. So let's talk about like, 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 is that more so a service? Is that a course? Like what, if I'm coming to you and I'm saying, okay, look, I'm a podcaster, but I want to be a global podcaster. I want people in Mars to hear my podcast. Is that something that you could then help me with? That's, that's a great question. So first off, like we have a lot of open sessions. Uh, so be that kind of career coaching, selling, things like that. So, so absolutely. I say, if you want to join, we've got all these free sessions that I'm sure would help out and give you more uh, network and language and tools that you could use. Um, in terms of our core services, where we really shine, um, we are pretty specific. Right now, we succeed the best helping people get into those uh, sales roles at tech companies. And if people want the specifics, it's usually like a sales development role or an account executive in a full cycle sales. So um, those are the roles we know we can really help in that our training really fills the gap and our networking can really help get you to the right company. Um, so yeah, the people who join us will join uh, one of our live cohorts. We have four week and 12 week programs. They're intense. Like it's a lot of work, two hours a day, five days a week for the period of that program. Uh, and in that process, you learn a lot, you build really close relationships with the cohort, people who are going through it with you. So you're not on your own. Uh, and then you're going through all that career coaching to help find that right company. Um, Sometimes it's a company we already have a relationship with. We have a whole host of employer partners. But sometimes it's also just about figuring out where you want to aim at and then us helping you get there. Um, the doors that get closed on people aren't actually big barriers. They're often stupid little language things. And our job is to help make sure that's not a blocker. Uh, so we don't have a program specific for podcasters, I'm sorry. Uh, but we do have programs for people who are looking to build their sales skills, sales acumen. Uh, very often that's an most often, that's an individual who wants to get into a role at a tech company, but it does also include entrepreneurs and founders who maybe don't have a sales background and they just want to build that muscle so they can attract and, and bring in the right people. So yeah, every class we have a few founders and entrepreneurs as well. Cool, cool. So what I'm hearing is kind of like, 
and, and, and I like to kind of illustrate things, right? So yeah. I'm thinking more so like ZipRecruiter and Monster on one hand, but then you also have like lynda.com where you're doing all the education. So that way the communication between the two sides come together in one solution versus applying for a job and getting rejected because you're not speaking the same language. Is that correct? Yeah, that's it. Absolutely. The things I'd add would be stuff like Linda is mostly self-service, watch some videos and go. But I mean, I don't know anybody who's learned how to play the piano just by reading the book. Like you got to practice. And so we do a lot of live workshopping. Um, and then the other one, like on the monster side of things, uh, our primary customer is the individual. You know, in a lot of the recruiting platforms, the person is the product, is the company that's paying. And what the resulting outcome is that is that we're way more focused on helping you land the role that you're passionate about. So for us, success are things like when people say it's the opportunity of a lifetime. You know, I have never been happier in this job. Um, one of our members spent 20 years as a pastor came through our program and landed a role. And halfway through it, he was telling us, you know, Joseph, I've never felt more human. And that type of outcome, that type of alignment for personal goals and the role that you land, that's what we aspire to do. Um, so yeah, Monster and Linda, but heavy dose of steroids on that. Yeah, yeah. I just wanted to kind of break it down as layman as possible so people kind of, kind of get that vision and see like you're, you're, you're two sides to one coin. You're the yin and the yang. So, I mean, mm -hmm. it's definitely a, a great combination to have access to that. So with that, right? So how do people get in contact with you? Totally. Um, people can always reach out. We're on our, on our website and YouTube, uvaro.com, youtube.com slash uvaro. Uh, hit us up. We've got a ton of free resources, uh, especially for any other podcasters who want to build up their career and their audience. They can join. Um, if you want to hit me up, I'm on most social media as Joseph Fung, all one word, LinkedIn, Instagram, you know, Facebook. Yeah, feel free to connect, uh, especially with other entrepreneurs and founders. I always love to chat and you know, make, build new relationships there. So yeah, reach out. Nice, nice. Cool. So got a couple of bonus questions for you. And this is like my favorite bonus question of all time, right? And I, I love this question because again, every time I interview someone, their answers are going to be uniquely different, right? If you could spend 24 hours with anyone, dead or alive, uninterrupted for those 24 hours, who would it be and why? I knew that question was coming and I spent so much time you know, anxious about this question. I was like, oh, this has got to be a good one. Um, I, I want to hear your thoughts on my answer. Yeah, yeah. I think Benjamin Franklin. Wow. Uh, someone who's, I mean, he's a scientist, an inventor. Like who the heck is crazy enough to say, you know what, I'm going to tie a key to a string to figure out this really core thing. I'm going to build the first fire department i'm going to help contribute to the founding of a nation like now there's a founder um so yeah i'd love to understand how he thinks and how he tackled things yeah yeah i definitely this is the first time someone has actually put that answer on the table but let me tell his credit ben has been around for the longest and to, to what you're saying as a founder he's i've never heard him put in that category but really and truly that's what he really is he's he should be defined as a founder because he founded so many different principles like you just stated so it makes perfect sense and for you to be a, a hell of a founder as well it only makes sense if you were big ben so definitely appreciate yeah. that if i had 24 hours i'd love to learn from him yeah yeah i can definitely see that so i got another bonus question for you right Outside of your family, what is your most significant achievement to date? Man, it's so tough. It's so tough to rank. Um, I'm really glad you said outside of family because at least it helped me narrow it down. Uh, honestly, what I point to is the, the last company that I'd run so far. Uh, we, we sold it and it went on from about 25 people to about 250 people. Uh, and then I left. And... What was so cool about it, what was so neat is 
now here in, in our city, we've got a massive building with a big Oracle logo on the top of it. And on the one hand, people are like, okay, great. You brought another company to town and it's a well-known logo. But the reality is there's several hundred people there with really remarkable jobs that really wouldn't have existed without us saying, hey, you know what? We're going to found a new company and we're going to like bust ass to make this happen. And you know, it's right there, downtown Kitchener. I get to see that you know, every time I drive by. And that feels really good because that's going to stay well beyond you know, my time there. And hey, we'll do it again. Definitely exciting. I mean, to be able to, like you said, just driving down, you look out the car and you're just kind of like, you know, you help build something like that. You know, it may not even be that your name's in the limelight, but you know, and your company and everyone that works for you know that people that are working for these companies are there because of you. It's definitely a great insight, great feeling to have. Yeah, it's a little bit like you're right. Like your name's not on it. Yeah, you, you could see the remnants and the culture and the dynamic, uh, but it's kind of like an unlegacy. Like you're not getting any credit for it, but you know you contributed to it, and that feels good. Hmm. So that leads me to my next question, right? Another bonus question: Would you still be doing exactly what you're doing right now if money wasn't a factor? Oh, 100 percent, without question. It, hmm. I, I know that sounds so silly, but I'll, I'll elaborate because anybody's on that entrepreneurial journey. Um, all of my companies have been business to business software. It's like, you know, let's crank it out. Let's do this again. Solve a problem, build a company, you can sell it. We're doing something very different here. And I'm a very introverted person, very logical, very thinking. I'm an engineer. My family always jokes, I'm very robotic. And I get to hear these remarkable success stories. You know, like people who got out of uh, injuries and are now working in tech. We had a member who used to work in the oil fields almost died three times because of other people you know, having accidents. And now he's selling software from the safety of his living room. We get to hear amazing stories and tears of joy every single day. And I have never felt so fulfilled in my work. So yeah, like even without money being an issue, I would totally be doing this because I feel so pumped doing it. Great, great. So this, I mean, I got so much other questions for you, but I mean, going into closing of the podcast, I always like to give an opportunity because you're a fellow podcaster as well. So Boston Cage is now yours. You're now the host. Do you have any questions for me? I would love to hear. You get to talk to a ton of really cool, really amazing people. Yeah, I'm not going to ask you across all your episodes because I know it's so hard. But in your last few interviews, would it be one really big insight that you picked up? Maybe that surprised you that you didn't expect. And what's one cool takeaway? What can I learn from, from your experiences in your last few interviews? So the, the, the one that is kind of vivid in my, my memory because I'm actually going to interview him again today on the, the book club side is Stormy. And Stormy is just a, a guy that's out of in Las Vegas, but he's really big into personas, like his entire thing. He's a growth strategist, but, you know, just listening to his book, listening to his audio book, just the way he breaks down, like figure out like who the actual persona is for your company. It's just uh, it's like telling a story in a sense and you would think it's common sense for marketers and designers and developers to think story driven to find your avatar but just the way he depicts it is completely uniquely different and it's systematically done to where hey if i'm selling a gym membership is one of his examples am i really selling that gym membership for that individual person that's looking to work out or am i selling it for them to be better at doing some hobby and it was like I never thought about it from that perspective. You always think about somebody who's working out for health purposes, but some could be working out because they just want to be better at doing something. And he was like, that's when you really break into the avatars 
like diving that deep into that psyche of that person and knowing exactly what they want, why they want it, and then you become that solution for their problems. Oh, I'm looking forward to that. You said you're interviewing for the book club. Is there a book that went along with that? Yeah, yeah. He, uh, I got it somewhere right here. Actually, here it is. So for the listeners, it's the World Best Buyer Persona System by Stormy Andrews. So we're going to be doing, um, I think, 4.30 today live on Facebook. We're going to be doing a, kind of like a spinoff of the Boston Cage. It's going to be more so like the Boston Cage book club exclusive, more so talking to author, authors about their books and their stories behind the books. And I was just kind of like, yeah, I'm already in the podcast game. I might as well just create another one and kind of build it up and see where it goes. Well, I, I was going to do a follow-up question with what next book I should read, but I think I've already got that one answered. So I'm going to cue that one up. Thank you for giving me yeah, the chance yeah. to ask. I'm glad to pick this one up. Yeah, definitely. I would say, if anything, if you're an audiobook listener, I would recommend the audiobook because the audiobook has these benefits and bonuses to it to where he's also a podcaster as well. So his fellow podcast host, in between mm. every chapter, they discuss that past chapter for like five to 10 minutes before they go on to the next chapter. So you get to hear his thoughts on that chapter live as he's being interviewed by his host. That's a sweet pro tip. I appreciate that essay. That's great. Yep. Yep, yep, yep. Well, I mean, I definitely, it was a pleasure having you, man. I, I love episodes like this where the energy is just flowing and we were just, I mean, literally we could talk like this probably for hours, <laughs> but, uh, but obviously both of us have other things that we got to do as well too. So I definitely appreciate you taking time out your busy schedule and coming out today and dropping all the information and the knowledge and, and just laying out your legacy of what you've done and what you're going to continue to do moving forward. Oh, it's my pleasure. Thank you so much for having me. And thanks for sharing the tips. I'm looking forward to digging into those books. Cool. It's my pleasure is mine. S.A. Grant. Over and out. Thanks for tuning in to another episode of Boss Uncaged. I hope you got some helpful insight and clarity to the diverse approach on your journey to becoming an Uncaged Trailblazer. Don't forget to subscribe, rate, review, and share the podcast. If this podcast has helped you or you have any additional questions, reach out and let me know. Email me at ask at sagrant.com or drop me your thoughts via a call or text at 762-233-BOSS. That's 762-233-2677. I would love to hear from you. Remember, to become a boss in cage, you have to release your inner beast. S.A. Grant, signing off. Listeners of Boss and Cage are invited to download a free copy of our host, S.A. Grant's insightful ebook, Become an Uncaged Trailblazer. Learn how to release your primal success in 15 minutes a day. Download now at www.bossuncaged.com forward slash freebook.